Welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And Andrew, uh, we're here today for dinner service. And where are we at? We are at Pinkerton's Barbecue here in North Heights. Uh, I'm going to talk to Grant Pinkerton here in a little bit. Uh, get a little info on how he got started into this business. And uh, a lot of early success for him and his restaurant. And we'll get into, well, wherever the topics lead us. All right, well, let's, uh, let's eat our dinner here. We've got uh, brisket, ribs, and a couple of sides. Let's uh, chow down, and then we'll get back in just a moment. See you in a bit. All right, we're back uh, here with Grant Pinkerton. Um, go ahead and start in some questions kind of about your background here. Where did you start in background as a kid? What was your kind of memories, and, and how did you grow up around a barbecue? Um, well, I mean, I grew up right in, right in the middle of Houston, Rice University area, so I guess my local barbecue place would have been good company. Um, I, I, I grew up in West University, and that's where Jim Good was from. So, I mean, you went and supported the low neighborhood barbecue restaurant. Um, but my my first experience with like real barbecue that I kind of like made me kind of start wondering what else was out there uh, was in Lums and Junction. Um, I had family that had a ranch out there. And uh, that was kind of my childhood barbecue that was different than big city barbecue. It was fattier, smokier, way saltier. It just had a whole different different flavor. And um, that kind of stuck with me. And uh, well, when Lums, Lums, I'm not familiar with that. That's out, uh, Junction is kind of sort of out in Atlanta direction, right? West Texas? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, a couple hours west of San Antonio and on that, I-10. Is that, um, is that kind of that, that West Texas style direct heat? Or yeah, is direct it, heat over Mesquite. Over Mesquite. And that's, yeah. that's interesting, yeah. So it's that, that West Texas, I call that West Texas style. Some people call it a cowboy, mm-hmm. cowboy style. I'm not sure what the... If there is a proper term, but I think the original uh, Coopers is like that too. Exactly, yeah. The Coopers the is also Mason very much Atlanta. Um, Western Hill Country style barbecue. There you go. Um, I think people from out there would consider West Texas to be at least starting in Ozona. You know? <laughs> like, oh no, we live close to Austin. Um, but so yeah, eating that, and then I I came back, and when I was around, like I was kind of had a fascination with fire and meat, and. Um, Around 12, I, was, I asked my dad for a barbecue pit, and I started tinkering around with barbecue just as a hobby in the backyard. And um, some of my earlier memories of barbecue were like begging my parents to let me smoke out the backyard for the day, and my mom just <laughs> dreading it. You know, 12 year old smoking barbecue sometimes doesn't come out so. Big. So, you remember what kind of pit you had? Was it an offset? Yeah. <laughs> um, we started with a, like a Weber Smoky Mountain. Right. That's a and, great, great starter pit. And um, my biggest downfall with that one was um, I only wanted to cook with wood, so I never added any charcoal. So my barbecue was that's that's almost, hot and fast for sure, yeah, right? <laughs> almost unbelievably smoky. Um, it did teach me pretty good fire maintenance, um, but the the smoke fact I feel so bad for all my neighbors at that point in time. <laughs> what were you uh, smoking back then? Brisket or brisket? You're doing brisket. Yeah, but brisket you, you started with the hardest. Uh, yes. that's and that is that is crazy, really, to be honest. Yeah, that's a tough meat to to kind of get the hang of. Yeah, I opened uh, Rob Walsh's book and I looked up <laughs> Cooper's recipe and. Like salt and pepper, and it seemed like around an hour a pound. It seems simple enough. Um, and the first one I did was awesome. And then I started like changing stuff. And when I started changing stuff, you know, kind of went got all out of, out of whack. But that's half the fun in barbecue is playing around with it. And uh, I remember uh, doing chickens and obviously sausage and 
um, things like not making my own, but, you know, I don't know, as a 13-year-old kid back there in the backyard by yourself cooking barbecues, and like, pretty cool. Pretty impressive. Now, a lot of a lot of kids have ADHD these days. How did you deal with the time it took to, to do the brisket? I mean, you have to be very patient, obviously. Ryan's asking this because he's a grown man with the ADHD, and cooking brisket <laughs> I, I have a, a fidget spinner in my office, all right? Yeah. Well, if you think about it, like, barbecue and a pit is really, like, the ultimate man fidget spinner or woman, I guess. You know, it requires constant attention. So I, I'm, I have terrible ADD, and so do the guys that work with me here. But it's like one of those things if you're checking it every it gives you something to check every 15 minutes, you know. Um, the patience, I've always been a real patient person, whether regardless of whether I'm fidgeting with something or not. Um, so I'm a big hunter and fisherman, and you know I kind of know the waiting game. Um, when the payoff's good, it's it's worth it. Definitely patience. Um, go ahead. Uh, so what what was the turning point for you that made you think, okay, this is fun to do in the backyard, but how do I make this a career? How do I make this something that I do for a living? Um, right when I got out of college, I came back, and I was, I was working at a gym. And uh, Super Bowl that year, somebody – I used to have an annual pig roast at my house where I'd, one of the hogs I'd raise for FFA, I'd, I'd slaughter it and cook it and uh, do a whole hog. And uh, somebody that I worked at the gym – was wanting to do um, a pig roast at their house. So I said, well, sure, you, you know, no problem. I'll come out there. I'll show you how to do it. Um, I'll do it for you. And, uh, you know, don't worry about paying me. It's something fun for me to do. So I, I went out there, and um, I, I got there like 3 o'clock in the morning, cooked this hog. And um, afterwards, I was trying not to take any money, and the guy paid me a couple hundred bucks. And, I mean, I really was really poor at the time. And, like, having $200 cash in my pocket, I kind of had this, like, holy shit, I can make money <laughs> cooking meat, uh, epiphany. And um, that's kind of what kicked it off. Right. And for, for those in the listener world that may not be familiar, if you follow Pinkertons on social media, um, Grant's been a big supporter of FFA. Uh, growing up, you were in FFA as a kid. And mm-hmm. and I know you guys have done some uh, some work with FFA uh, at the restaurant, or have you guys done events for them at um, schools? Or? Both, and we go buy the kids' animals, and um, nice. we work with the we're working with the committee and the livestock show and rodeo now too. Um, it played a big role in my life and where I got came. Um, I was in agriculture. I mean, I went to Lamar High School, which is right in the middle of um, River Oaks in um, Houston. Uh, it pulled from all different areas. It's just kind of a, the inner city high school, and it had an agriculture program. And it had the the sixth FFA program to ever exist in Texas wow. was at Lamar. So I was in agriculture, and for my ag projects, we'd build barbecue pits, and so. You know, you get to cook barbecue at school was pretty <laughs> sweet incentive to be part of the agriculture department. So joined that, played football, and then um, raised animals in FFA. And, you know, I get to talk with a lot of sales reps here for meat companies. And when you have knowledge of animal science and that kind of deal going into this, it's pretty unexpected uh, on their end and uh, garners you a lot of respect. Any thoughts of doing any whole hog here at the restaurant? Uh... Maybe I don't know. Uh, come come visit us. Was, on a was the alligator enough to, yeah. to kind of change I, your mind? On- well, the alligator was nice because it's done quicker. You know, like the whole hog. Maybe in the winter, I have half of a hog sitting in a freezer right now um, that I bought at Duroc Hog, and I'm still not quite sure what I'm going to do with it. So since, since Brian brought up the alligator, we'll go to the alligator. If uh, if you guys went to the Houston Barbecue Festival in 
2016? 16, I think. 2016, uh, Pinkerton's was the social media star of the festival. You'd see that you saw it locally, you saw it throughout Texas, you even saw some national news. Um, you guys did Smoke Alligator. Did you do two gators? Three. Three gators. Three gators for the festival. Um, which obviously visually was a stunning thing to see. Just swamp to, chicken. Yeah, uh, presentation wise was just fantastic to see this giant gator just sitting out there on the on the pit, and then when they were pulling it. Um, so, any thoughts of doing that at the restaurant or? I've done it here. Have you I've, done it here? Yeah, I've done it here twice. Uh, once during Super Bowl, and then another time just for fun. I found I had a six foot alligator in the bottom of my freezer at the house. <laughs> So you must you have just, one hell of a yeah, you got, yeah. You got a, a half of a hog, a six-foot <laughs> yeah. alligator, yeah. yeah. Well, when, you, when you're a big hunter, you got usually have plenty of freezer space. Yeah, this is so true. This is true. I was kind of digging through some venison, and I uncovered a trash bag, and in the trash bag was a six-foot alligator wrapped up. So. <laughs> That's a hell of a surprise. So throw it on the pit, yeah? yeah? You know, it it's actually turned out really well, so it was tasty. Nice. Um, so, you know, while we're... Um, not to change the topics too much, you know, went into pop-ups for a little while. Um, how was that? You know, it, it, it's kind of hard, and there's some, uh, you know, this is this is the part of town where we're in, but it can be anywhere, so we'll wait a moment. That's Houston's finest. Yeah, a little live action, no no chase, though. I got eight here earlier, actually. <laughs> oh, wow, so there you go. <laughs> um, back to the pop-ups, you know, it's, it's kind of tough in Houston. It's just not pop-up friendly, especially trailer friendly. I mean, how did that go? Getting there, doing those was it was it really beneficial? Other than getting your name out, um, did you struggle? Was there any? What are kind of the pros and cons that you saw of that? Uh, if you want to make money, don't do pop ups. <laughs> if you want to make money, book your weekends doing catering. We've learned that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I found that you do a pop up every once in a while to kind of appease people out there that haven't eaten your stuff yet. Just kind of show what you can do. But as far as from a business perspective, all you young guys doing pop-ups concentrate on catering. And then when you get into this side of the business with the catering background, you can really blow some people away with the execution. I mean, with the Des Bryant, we just did a thing for Des Bryant. We did catering for over 1,000 in 16 hours. Wow. Wow. Which is, when you can do that, other people start calling you. Yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah, it definitely leads up to that. And plus, obviously, the publicity for it was great. Um, nationwide, probably. I know, definitely across oh, yeah, Texas. It was on ESPN. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I woke up and it was on Sports Center the next morning. And then he, he ate so much brisket, he was actually late to camp the next day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little. That's a meat hangover, right? Um, so you know, and, and we can attest with the pop-up stuff. I mean, the, there's it's not a profitable venture, especially if there's two of us rather than just a single person. It's hard enough. Right. Um, you know, families helping out, but at the end of the day, it's not about the money. It's about just perfecting the craft for us it gives us an opportunity to cook more volume than we would in a backyard you know we don't have as many friends as franklin did when he started out so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we have to we have to we have to try to sell it to the public um coming in here um you know it, it's a it's an interesting location it was we weren't quite sure about it personally you know um but the parking seems to be fine the location seems to be fine tell us a little bit um about the building itself it used to be a, a mexican restaurant uh, yeah, it used to be a Mexican restaurant. It was an Italian restaurant on its last leg. I mean, it was like eight different things, but it were all kind of like fly-by-night um, restaurants. Uh, the building was not permitted correctly, so we redid all the permitting and occupancy for it. Um, so the 
the building had some technical issues from that regard, but we, we worked through those and permitted it to be a multi-use so I could live here upstairs. And um, I really love, I like this area. I mean, it doesn't get much better for as far as getting guys from downtown at lunch. Um, you got some nice trees here on the, on the patio as well. I mean, it's a nice cool breeze. It's not it's not the uh, blistering heat that I'm used to today anyway. No, it's actually pretty pleasant to be outside here. Just Well, we're not eating barbecue now because we already ate, but, yeah, I could sit out here for a couple hours drinking beer and eating barbecue. Easily. It is kind of amazing. When we were, when we were working on the construction here, um, we did notice that for some reason there is a wind tunnel kind of that runs by the side of the restaurant. And in the evenings, it cools off quite a bit here. Uh, I don't really quite know why but uh it was a it was a good move uh you know with any barbecue place i think getting right on the edge of a really nice neighborhood is a good idea uh, especially yeah these days in houston you know who knows in five years from when because yeah. you you bought the property outright didn't you yeah we, we we have this property locked down for quite a while and we did a lot of work to it so um we're not going anywhere as long as y'all keep eating here um but, you know, like the farmer's market down the street just got bought, and it's going to turn into a destination spot. And right. you know, if you drive through the neighborhood that's behind, that's behind the building, I mean, it, house turnover after house turnover after house turnover. I mean, we're the epicenter of gentrification. Right. Yeah, if the hipsters need a reference point, they're basically around the corner from Morningstar. Um, they're around the corner from where Ford and Correspondence used to be. Um, what other hipster places? Uh, Dolce Neve or Neve. I don't know. I'm not hipster enough to know how to pronounce it right. There's a lot of places right around the corner. Um, so if you haven't been here yet, you're, you've probably been really close to it eating at other places. Um, but you're one of the few places that is open serving good dinner barbecue now, and anywhere in Houston for that matter. And, and really, you know, pretty easy to get to from I-45. You know, it's, that's that's the nice thing about it. It's just a, just a few blocks off of the freeway. Right. Yeah, and guys, uh, you know, people who work at the Wells Fargo building downtown, just ride in the center of downtown. It'll take you longer to get down the elevator bank than well once you get in your car to get here. And if you come at lunch, you'll you'll see that. I mean, it's full of downtown people. So let's a little talk about. Let's go inside the building, kind of talk about the the interior. You know, the outside first. You've got you've got these um, these wooden this wooden porch and the, and the, the um, log posts. Inside, it's kind of set. I, I mean, the, you've got the you've got the animal heads. Those are the ones you've you've yourself hunted. Uh, all mine are upstairs because I didn't want little kids flicking barbecue <laughs> sauce on them. Um, but these were gifts to me. Uh, they were given to me by my neighbor and some some close friends. And uh, my taxidermist gave, gave me one of them. I said, "There's a lot of animal mounts upstairs. When your taxidermist gives you a free mount, you know you're you're providing plenty of business for him." And and it it to me it feels very much kind of like a West Texas hunting lodge feel as you come in the wooden tables and and the bar wood which we'll talk about in a moment is i mean that was intentional right obviously uh it's supposed to feel like just a piece of the hill country i spent a lot of time out in the hill country through college and growing up and it's probably my favorite region of of texas you know you got the limestone and the exposed wood and if you've you ever gone to any of the beer joints in harper and uh, blanco or those places it looks just just kind of just like this it would cleaned it up a little bit for the city of houston but um you know all good things weather too so uh, it'll be interesting to see what it looks like in 20 years <laughs> now the um the bar has an interesting piece of reclaimed wood correct mm. um yeah the, a very large piece the bar top is a uh, piece of curved live oak uh, a live oak tree that actually grew curved and fell in uh, hurricane ike and there's a there's a guy who, uh, BC Woodwork, that owns a mill uh, here in town, 
they've been holding on to the street for six or however many years and he'd be, he said he was waiting for it to go to the right home and uh, when I told him what I was doing here and told my idea for the bar and what my vision was he said that he would let it go to us to be on display here so I said all right well just let me know uh, what it what it costs and we ended up working a good deal out and you know it's probably the first thing everybody looks at when they walk in and it's, it's yeah, honestly, very it's very beautiful. unique yeah, yeah very beautiful very unique yeah so let's back up a little bit um, to when you first came onto the scene. I remember Brian and I and a bunch of the barbecue guys were at, I believe, your very first public pop-up that you guys did back out in River Oaks. I, heck, because I'm lazy, it's still my Twitter profile pictures, me and you and Sandlin and Fulmer and Reed and all those guys out there. Um, I remember eating it that first time and being like, wow, this is, you know, Houston barbecue is really coming up. This is something different. You know, this is, that's one of the things we like about here is, it's it's what a lot of people consider new school barbecue, but it's also got a really old school feel. Um, the, the restaurant, the building itself has an old school feel, and you're cooking with mesquite and oak, which is not something you see a whole lot in Houston. I can't think of any real top-notch places to use in mesquite in Houston right now. I'm not sure in Houston. Obviously, you've got Cooper's, Valentina's, and Opie's, and then a mix. Uh, Pecan Lodge, Pecan Lodge Bodacious. A little bit as well. Yeah, I mean, so there yeah. are some places. But not, not in Houston. But yeah. not, not yeah. in Houston Not that area. I'm aware of. But you, you got a lot of notoriety very early on, and I know that created a lot of expectations for people, uh, especially like Brian and myself as well. Like, we're, well, okay, this was a really good pop-up, but doing this day in, day out, how good is it going to be? Did you feel any pressure when you opened the restaurant to, to live up to those expectations, or what was, what was that process like for you? Um... I don't, yeah, I knew that was out there, but, uh, I mean, if you can cook, you can cook. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't need to be formally trained. Uh, I think that a a lot of people wanted me to be doing a lot more pop-ups than I was, but, you know, if I'm making money, this is a business, and if I'm making a bunch of money doing catering, I'm going to continue doing catering. Um, And, you know, I don't know, everything, the, the right... The right doors open and all that kind of stuff, and it just for me it felt like it was meant to be. And uh, I'm a person that uh, believes in for sure a higher power, and I just felt like just keep taking the next step. And uh, the door kept opening, so I opened the place, and I just I had a, I felt confident that you know it was going to be able to work. So. Well, and you came out with a bang. I mean, we were there some of the first week. You were there the grand opening. I think I came a couple of weeks later. Um, you know, obviously the barbecue guys always flock to any new place that opens, and you, you pretty much hit it right out of the gate. Um, I know that Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly came in pretty soon after he opened. He had a really good visit. Uh, Jimmy Ho came in pretty soon after. I know he's, he's become a really big fan as well. Um, you're one of the youngest pitmasters that made the Texas Monthly Top 50 list, uh, not even just in terms of age on this earth, but restaurant age as well. Um, it's it's a obviously a very hard list to get on. Um, anyone that pays attention to barbecue knows the the effects of the Texas Monthly list. So what what was that like? When did you kind of get the feeling that okay, I think we did make the list? Um, Monday at like eight oh five. Man, I was talking to the guy from Bodacious at like twelve oh five at night. Uh, the, Jordan or Scott? I think it was Jordan. Jordan yeah. yeah, I never met the guy in my life. But we're exchanging Twitter direct <laughs> met. We were. Sliding into each other's DMs, wishing each other good luck. Um, so, you know, I heard telling them, I heard great things, man. We we're all kind of waiting around to see if we're dropping midnight, and it didn't. <laughs> and then I spent the next like eight hours not sleeping. 
Uh, I really had no clue. I mean, there were, you know, a few things that might have tipped one off. Uh, but really, I thought that it was probably going to be for an article about young guys cooking barbecue. And I had kind of convinced myself that that was, gonna, that was the case and that the pictures and that stuff were first kind of one-off article. And I was really praying that that wasn't the case. Um, and then it was for the list. And, like, I did a lot of fist bumps. I said I never, I've never cried a happy tear in my life in, until that morning. I, was, I went drove over to my parents' house with my girlfriend to, we checked the list together, and it was a pretty special moment. It's a huge achievement, and 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 again, in the age of you and the age of the business as well. Yeah. Um, you were already busy when this came out, especially because you were so new. Mm-hmm. You know, there was still a lot of that early hype. Did you notice an uptick after the list came out? More people coming, or different people coming? Uh, yeah, we we've, we've had it, it's been huge. I mean, it's like doubled. Wow. Uh, every week has been considered has been bigger than the week before. It's excellent, and the um, the passport obviously part of being the, the top fifty is you're on the passport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people uh, stickers. You know, they've run out. There's been some problems. You know, we we talked um, in in Twitter, and you had already you'd already ordered some more. I mean, that's that's one thing. But what are your feelings on the people that are coming in for the passport? Obviously, it's bringing new people in, which yeah. is great. Um, but we've seen some people that are ordering, you know, one iced tea and trying to get their sticker, which right. they can do. But, you know, is that – do you see that or do you see people really trying the menu? Um, you know, mostly everybody's great. Hell, I've given out passport stickers on days we're not open. Um, it's just kind of cool to see people moving around. If you want to drive around the state of Texas for a Yeti cooler, you can come work here for a day and I'll buy you one. I mean, like... Um, wait real. a second. Is that a deal? We, yeah. We, you have to work the in the back doing, with me. Yeah, we... Yeah, we <laughs> I think it's a 45 court, right? It is. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. So it's we'll we'll like, settle what? for the 40 or even the 35. <laughs> All right. We got this. We got this. We'll that's, be... that's a lot of work for a 45 court Yeti. Uh, yeah, but you good. know what? You know, I guess the one of the cool things we have the bar here. So they're not buying an iced tea. Usually they hit us last because they know we have a bar and they buy a few drinks and kind of <laughs> relax. So all I, I feel all yeah. the people that are, are going other places and pissing other people off are coming here and unwinding with a few cocktails and telling us about well, the other places. It seems better. I actually have to cook more food for them. You can just give them a beer, right. give them a cocktail. My overhead is way lower <laughs> and my profit margin is way higher on the drinks. Nice, nice. So you know, so we, we threw the question out there about about the hog. Um, any meat changes that you've thought about or um, sticking to what you're doing, which is uh, you know pretty standard. You know, obviously, pulled pork, chicken, turkey. Beef ribs, pork ribs, and brisket. And a pork chop, a giant pork chop. And a giant pork chop, which I have had. It's, it's excellent as well. I ate, dude, I ate that pork chop for like every day for 14 days straight when I was testing it out. I've eaten a lot of pork chops. Those pork chops, <laughs> yes, I've eaten I like them. Um, there's a couple other meats we're playing around with, some sides. I know there's some mac and cheese on the way. There will never be baked potatoes here. <laughs> it's just, sorry. It's not happening. Um, but you'll be able to add anything you want to the mac and cheese. Um, and uh, maybe a couple other sides. I know Sarah, uh, my girlfriend, her family has a a uh, corn casserole recipe that I go bananas for every single time. That that, that, those comfort food sides, the casseroles, yeah. and, and that those those really do. I mean, they oh, great stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I kind of would like to give give her a nod. Plus, it's like my favorite thing to eat at all their family functions. So much nice. natural. Add that one on there. Yeah. So that might be coming too. It's funny. We've heard that story. We've talked to a lot of pitmasters as we've been going around spending way too much money to get a damn Yeti cooler. (laughs) (laughs) We've talked to a lot of pitmasters, and it's been the same experience that night before the list came out. 
there was probably a lot of pitmasters that got even more, even less sleep than they got when they were actually cooking. Yeah, I was I was DMing DMing with a few as well, and literally people were up. I mean, it's amazing because I don't remember it like this the last time, but of course social media isn't as strong as it was. But um, just it's amazing how many people were really anticipating this. It's great. Oh, barbecues yeah. up, you and know, it's super highly competitive. I mean, this was pretty highly competitive list. You start thinking, and I, man, you get out of town or, or out of staters in here, and you're like, oh yeah, we were on the top fifty list, and they kind of look at you like, big freaking deal, and you're like, all right, so I got DFW, I got Houston, I got Austin. Let's say each of those, you know, you start going through and kind of allocating spots. I mean, you run out of spots really fast. You do. I mean, yeah. really fast. And there's um, we, we had even thought they might expand it to 60 or 75 this year because yeah. there's a lot that dropped off that are not bad didn't. joints. I think the exclusivity of it does add to the prestige of it, and I think it you know it does make everyone I think want to go that extra mile to make sure that they're making the best food. Yeah, they this can. this year was a much harder yeah, list it, to it make. Was. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good barbecue places that aren't on the top 50 list. You know, it's just the nature of there's you know there's what 2,000 barbecue joints in the state of Texas. You're talking about a very small percentage that actually made this list. So. To, to make it, you've got to be serving damn good food consistently because they don't just come once and eat your food. They come at least three times to every spot and eat the food, which is the way to do it. Um, so, obviously, to, to make the list at any point is a big honor, but now more than ever, it's harder to make. So, to make it, and not, and not only to make it, to make it as quickly as you guys did, it's just it's pretty, pretty awesome. All right. Um, going to go to Corey. So, yeah, we're going to go to Aaron, Corey, whatever he wants to call himself this week. We, my whole family has that issue with first and middle names. A um, few sports-related questions, but first he had this one, um, and I'll just quote it exactly as he wrote it because I think it's pretty funny. How nice is it to live above your restaurant? Oh, it is amazing. There were so many people that were giving me mad shit for <laughs> living above the restaurant before it opened, and I get so much more sleep than any of those people probably think that I get um, by doing that. And, and you know, I'm always sleep here. on a mattress. Yeah, <laughs> I go upstairs. I have air conditioning. Got a real bed, mattress with like box spring underneath. You know, like this is real deal living. Um, I'll have to admit, when I was in high school, my dream. Yeah, it wasn't as aspirational as a barbecue joint. My dream was actually to live above a buffet. And so I could well, just go down and eat food whenever I wanted. Um, it wasn't about really cooking low. the food. I'm not kidding you. I was, yeah, that was that was one of the dreams. But it, it is it is great to be so close. Yeah. Um, I, and obviously, if, if there's a problem, you know, if you've got somebody else running the pits right. and they have a problem, they can just buzz you and yeah. say, you come down. You instantaneously appear yeah. um, at the first sign of any problem. Yeah, the, the, I'll tell you the worst part is, um, and I'm sorry to any of my, any of my friends listen, um, it's when my friends show up at like 9 o'clock on a Friday and want to hang out. <laughs> the last thing I want to do in the middle of my work week is hang out and like get less sleep than I already get. Um, so that's kind of the roughest thing, people showing up late at night. Tired. Right, you get some of those some of those folks that are still living that that young party life, I guess, too. Right? Yeah, they don't understand the difference, dude. I'm working and I gotta get up. Re- I'm gotta be up late tonight and I gotta get up early tomorrow and I don't really have time to be talking to you right now. But you can come in the pit room and talk to me back there if you'd like while I work. Uh, but then they think it's too hot. So. <laughs> um, let's go back to football. You said you actually played football in mm-hmm. in what what position did you play? Uh, well, I played defensive tackle and. Um, I uh, moved to an offensive guard, so interior lineman. Um, I played for the then Lamar Redskins. It's, I mean, now 
they're the Texans, but still one of the best high school football programs in the state, especially at the moment. They got three probably guys going to UT next year, and then um, they got they're gonna be pretty good. They're on state watch for sure. Very cool. Something in common with John Miller, who used to play as well. I'm out of Texas Tech. Yep. Um, how about um, Charlie Charlie Strong, Mac Brown? Uh, any opinions on those two folks? Uh, I can't thank Mac enough for what he did for the program. Um, Charlie Strong, great dude. Terrible game day coach. Um, I was. Do you think they squandered go. squandered their success back then? Uh, with Mac. Uh, with Charlie. Or with Charlie. Like, did, did they have the ability and it was just, it no, was he just was a coaching? No, a game day coach. Every, I mean, I could point, if we wanted to go through the games, I could point out the plays where it hit me to bonehead play calling, calling timeouts when somebody's running out of time. You know, to give, I mean, that You're not talking the, about the Texans. That so, happened in the Baylor game, you know. <laughs> going, get them on their heels, they're going downfield, they're trying to score. They're running out of time, and Charlie Strong calls a timeout when UT's on defense, and Baylor gets a chance to break. Take a huddle, draw a play up, and they score on the next play. You know, what I mean? it was just moronic football. I mean, great recruiter. I think he was a great dude. I really liked him. I think though that um, I think Tom Herman's a real deal. Uh, I'd be. I mean, he's crushing it on the Texas recruiting trail right now. He is wiping the floor with everybody in the state. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether we'll know very quickly whether his methods work or not. I expect them to come out and be the most physical team. Um, that we've seen in probably since 05. Funny, my sister's a Longhorn as well, and she's, she hasn't lived in the state for a while, so she wasn't really familiar with Tom Herman, and it's one of the first things I told her when they hired Tom Herman. I said, you're going to be in a BCS game within three years. Yeah. It's, you know, it's by sheer talent alone, you guys will be back in a BCS game in three years. And I, yeah, I really do believe that. I think Herman's the real deal. And I do have my bet um, out on them as well. Um, got my bet on the on uh, UT for this year, so maybe it's a little premature, but we'll see. For a national championship? Yes, sir. Yes, that sir. can happen. That's I what honestly, I'm hoping. Uh, they're gonna first thing they're gonna do is punch USC in the face. <laughs> That's gonna they're gonna beat the guys in California. Um, I don't know. I imagine they'll get a few. They'll they'll lose a couple games just sheer young and not on the same page. But I was talking to a guy as uh, an assistant coach for OU. And he was saying that uh, U of H is the most physical team they played all last year. And it wasn't, I mean, that comes to that search from the top. I mean, they're just animals. Um, and I think Tom Herman brings that out of guys. Excellent. Um, you know, I, I didn't go to UT or AM, but I grew up in Austin and I absolutely remember the rivalries. Um, you know, and I was, I, for whatever reason, you know, in Austin, you're a Longhorns fan and you're a Cowboys fan, and those are the two things that you're born with. Um, I'm not a Cowboys fan anymore, by the way. Um, definitely Texans. But, but you know, the dissolution of those rivalry games, that was such a huge thing. Um, you know, how do you feel about that? I uh, like the kid, you know. a has <laughs> got to live with that for at least a little while longer. Uh, here's my thing. I'm happy to bring it back. I don't want it to be a September game. If it's going to do it, it's going to be for all the marbles in November. You gotta yeah. be the Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, it has to. That'd be I, awesome. not, I do yeah. not want to play it the first three weeks of the game. Because here, let me tell you something. There's a lot of times in college football where the team you see the first three weeks is not the team you see the back half of the season. So we need this game. They're going to play it to be at the end of the season for all the marbles. Um, I, I'm sure it will happen uh, sooner rather than later. But I, I bet first we meet in a bowl game. Yeah, it needs to happen. I mean, it's it's Texas. That is Texas. I mean, Texas OU is always going to be great. It's always going to be 
you know, a fantastic game, but A&M, Texas, it's, it's just, it's what college football is in this state, and it always will be. You can put them in the SEC or they can go to whatever conference they want, but that's, to me, that's always going to be the game, you know. I, you know, I wasn't born here, as everyone knows, <laughs> but I've lived here long enough. To, yeah, I know it. But I've lived here long enough to know that that's, te- you know, that is Texas football, is UTA and M. Doesn't matter if the teams are both 0 and 9 going into the game or 9 and 0 going into the game. That game is always everything, and I hope it does come back at some point. But we'll go ahead and we'll. Uh, well, any any other comments around um, the restaurant barbecue? Anything on the horizon you want to tell us? Otherwise, we'll we'll pretty much wrap it up here. Uh, well, I guess I gotta. What, I guess it's 7:46 and OU still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. All right. Well, one more question, and we'll get you out of here on this one. What's been the biggest surprise to you about running a restaurant day in, day out? Good uh, or bad? You know, <laughs> this is going to sound kind of funny, but the biggest surprise, and I like kind of was told to expect it coming in, it's just uh, employees, managing employees. It's just like the biggest headache in the world. Care can't be. Well, I, I know early on, I think you had some pit master shuffles, right? Some pit help, not yeah. necessarily master, but... I mean, it was hard to find somebody that wants to work that ridiculous shift and do that labor, right? Yep. Uh, there's a lot of people that think they do it, um, think they want to, and they don't. And you know what? It's really just a matter of finding people that aren't here for a paycheck or whatever. They have a, finding those people with passion, too, to share your passion. And they see barbecue the way you do and want to be a part of making something awesome. And they're, like, kind of along for the ride. Um, You've got to have that pride in the product. Exactly. It, it's, it's very important. And, we had and I've some seen people it. who like worked at Papa's Steakhouse that came to work here, and they lasted about three weeks because they were here to collect a paycheck. Steaks cook a lot faster than Yes. <laughs> yeah. well, it was, it was a and you really can just throw more steaks on the pit, you know. It's, like you could yeah. never figure out how to trim a brisket. I trim every brisket now. I just wow. gave up on having anybody else do that. So I trim every brisket and season them all. But. Well, that's one of the things the Buckmans are famous for saying, Will and Nicole over at Corkscrew, is the whole reason that they're there every single day, no matter what, is because no one's ever going to care about it as much as they care about it. Yep. And it's, it's difficult to find. If you do find a person that does... Hang on to them for dear life because it's uh, it's hard it's hard to find. Who doesn't want their own restaurant in their own name? That's right. always that's always the catch. Right. And I know Wayne Miller's talked about how often he trains you know people to go out and, and do their own thing, and that's um, that's tough as well because you've got to balance finding somebody that has the right attitude and, and the right pride with somebody that doesn't want to just learn and go, learn and go. Right. They want to invest some time with your place. Right. And yeah, it's not to say that everyone that works every barbecue joint should stay there for 30 years, but, you know, obviously if someone wants to have their dreams and their aspirations, you learn and you go, but within a reasonable time frame. And it, it's a difficult, I mean, it's a tough industry, you know, to be a successful restaurant owner and to be a successful pit master are not the same thing. I mean, it takes two different mindsets. The same person can do both, but it does take two different mindsets to get it done. All right. Well, I think that's that's about it. Um, thanks to Aaron, Corey, Corey, Aaron, ACG, TX, or whatever he calls himself this week for some of the sports questions. Um, thank you again, Grant, for uh, for your time. Um, it's been great. Barbecue's great. I've got the big screens out here on the patio. I mean, this is this is actually enjoyable, and, and um, it's unusual to say in Houston in the middle of the summer. It's right. bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, it really is a really nice night. We'll let you go trim some briskets. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. Thanks.